0: Lord, so thankful for the opportunity it is to come together and to worship and to um, just give you um, the honor you deserve and to submit our lives before you, um, to bring every circumstance that we're walking through, every burden that we're carrying, God, to your feet, and just acknowledge that you are sovereign over it all, uh, that you are with us in every hardship, that you're with us in every blessing, God, that you go before us and behind us. And so, God, we just give this time to you. May you be honored in it as we look at your word and are challenged by it. Uh, Just stir our hearts and challenge us to be more like Christ uh, this day and and every day forward. Uh, We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so for the next four weeks, we are celebrating Advent. This is the traditional time to walk through Advent. Uh, In true restoration fashion, we are not celebrating traditionally. Uh, We are taking a different spin on the Advent series. I don't know if... It's kind of there. Okay. Maybe we're we're back. I don't know. All right. Um, Yeah. So for the next four weeks, we're, we're looking at the Advent in terms of the coming of Jesus as a bridegroom. And so that's, you know, bride and groom, right? Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. And so we're talking about that for a number of reasons. We just felt like it was a great time. We got, like, actually in this room, three couples, one visiting that just got here. No pressure. Not telling anybody. and many couples that have been together a long time and still need help. So we're gonna be talking about uh, talking about Jesus coming from the, tran- from the kind of angle or view to take an application toward marriage as we look at Jesus coming. Um, and so we're gonna take the next four weeks to look at Jesus, the coming bridegroom, and there's a couple of things uh, that I want us to draw out from this as we consider the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There's two things I want us to come away from, um, first, is, as the bride of Christ, the church respond to the advent of the bridegroom, Jesus, right? So recognizing marriage as a picture of Jesus and the church, right, how can we as the church respond to Jesus and what he has done? As a body of believers, how can we take this perspective we see as married couples joined together and apply it to our lives as a church body in response to what Christ has done to us. So that's the first thing we definitely want to see as we uh, engage with marriage over the coming few weeks. The second is this, how in our marriages within our church can we follow this model of the mystery of Christ being a picture of uh, Jesus and the church being a picture of husband and wife, right? How can we grow in our marriages as we see Christ laying down his life for the church. So over the coming four weeks, we're gonna be walking through that. I've got, I've got a partner tag teaming with me. Luke's gonna be preaching two out of the four of these sermons, so uh, excited for him to jump in and carry some of the load over the next month um, so I can just you know sit back and hang out in a coffee shop and read books and stuff, you know what I mean? Because um, that's definitely, <laughs> definitely what I'll do. Um, yeah, so, so today we're starting with Jesus' birth, okay? Um, and so I'm gonna start here. It was Valentine's Day, 2005. Okay? Yeah, uh, we've already got odds. You don't even know what I'm about to say. What's going on? Um, so, <laughs> Valentine's Day, 2005. Uh, Christy and I had been dating for 15 months. Okay? We've been together for 15 months. We first started dating November 1st of 2000, whatever the math is, 4, I think that would be. No, 3. Yeah, thank you. Super math. Here, it's great. Um, and so, we'd been together for 15 months and 15 months had already felt like a very long time, Uh, and then we, so we got engaged on Valentine's Day uh, 2005, and we're engaged for another 15 months before we got married, okay? I gotta tell you, I did the engagement right, okay? I did a good job, just did a really good job. We can tell you the story later, but I did a good job, um, and we got engaged, right? All of you all who know a time of engagement know how long that feels, right? Uh, You know, especially as a Christian couple, you know, walking in purity, trying to not cross any boundaries and all that, 15 months is a very, very long time, Um, and so we've been dating 15 months, we were engaged for 15 months, um, and you know this step has changed, and I don't know what it is about that moment where you're like, will you marry me, you know, that it switches right there from, oh man, like, we're committed to each other. You just go up another level of commitment to one another during that time, and so we were in that phase, right? And uh, it was a long phase. I don't advise anybody to be engaged that long. Uh, I definitely advise like a three to six month engagement. Anyway, that's, that's kind of what I talked through. Anyway, that's the, that's the thing. So um, you, all, you guys know what it was like if you're married, the time of your engagement. It is trippy to me to compare how long it felt for 15 months to go by, and now to think we've been married for over 15 years. It's just gone like that, right? And it's just, it's just crazy how the Lord works in the midst of this, and, and today, we're going to look at one couple in which God is doing a powerful work that is much bigger than them, okay? And their engagement probably felt very long and very, very hard, okay? We're looking at the story of Mary and Joseph today. And actually, you know, if you take a step back and look at this picture, what we're looking at is the time of their engagement, the Bible records this moment in their life as a couple where they have been engaged to be married. And what they're going through is probably one of the harder things anybody in an engagement is going to go through. So we're going to start uh, looking at this at two passages. First, uh, a passage about Mary, and then a passage that focuses on Jesus. Luke 1, 26 to 38. It says this. In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. You all should know a little bit about Galilee now. We spent a lot of time there in the past six months. Anyway, um, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, this child will be, born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who, is, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Just step back and imagine, in this moment, being Mary, right? You've been engaged to this man, Joseph. You're looking forward to a wedding that is to come, and you're visited by Gabriel, who says, you're going to become pregnant. Just think of all the things that might be going through her head at this time, when when she's thinking about a time that that should be focused on Joseph and her marriage to Joseph and and what it's going to be like to start a family with Joseph, and the Holy Spirit comes to you through this angel and says, you're going to be with son, and you shall name him Jesus. This is a very difficult moment for probably a a moment of, of just great confusion for her. I mean, you can't deny, right, when an angel shows up at your door and says this and such, right? Like, I mean, it's hard for her to deny her experience and go, well, that, well, that didn't happen. I'm just moving on, right? She had to receive, and she did receive this message from the, from the angel that this is going to happen. But just empathize with her for a moment in her flesh and acknowledge that what she is going through will be really trippy and really hard and very confusing and there'll be a lot of emotion that is drawn up inside of it. A lot of question marks going, okay, you've told me this, and now I've got to live this out for the next how many months? Like, when does this happen that I am now conceived of the Holy Spirit? And then from that point, like, like are we going to be able to hide this from other people? That I'm, like, all the thoughts going through your head. And yet she says... Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Mary received this word from Gabriel and and said, okay, let's let's do this. I'm I'm willing to be your servant. Now, let's flip the coin and think about being Joseph. Joseph hasn't heard from the angel, right? Right? No angel appeared to Joseph yet, okay? No, no conversation has been had. Just sit with that for a moment, okay? Because it's very easy to look at these accounts separately because they've been actually recorded separately, so it's very easy to, like, separate them in our minds. But when you fuse these things together and think, okay, angel appears to Mary, says you're going to be with child, and you're going to name him Jesus. It's going to be a wonderful thing. he's going to be a powerful uh, a leader of the kingdom of God in the line of David. All this, right, is... Great words, but that's what Mary heard from, a, from an angel. And I think Mary's going to now have to go to Joseph and be like, so, how was your weekend, Joseph? What did you do the past couple days since we saw each other? Oh, yeah, okay, well, I just saw an angel and he told me I was going to get pregnant, so no big deal, let's go get some lunch, right? Like, how strange would that be to be be, receive this message from Mary just just imagine yourself as Joseph across the table the coffee table whatever it is from from Mary and she's just going hey so an angel appeared to me um turns out I'm going to be pregnant before we're married um so I told him that'd be okay and so what you think right this is where Joseph is at at this point right we don't really get that when we look at Matthew's account and Luke's account and just like separate them apart, but that's, that's where the tension is sitting in the relationship, right? You remember back to being engaged, there's already all this tension built up into what you're expecting and what marriage is gonna be like, and then God's like, woo, here's a monkey wrench, <laughs> right? And Mary and Joseph are going, what is going on? What are we to do? So that's where Joseph is at struggling to believe what Mary has said, probably wondering, I'm engaged to a lunatic. You know, like, these are the thoughts that are probably going through his head at this point. So let's look at Joseph's story, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Start with verses 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. That's that's where Joseph is at, right? He's heard Mary say, hey, um, uh, the Lord came to me and told me I'm going to have a baby, and so, you know, this is where, this is where we're at. And what, what's happening in Joseph's mind is recorded here by Matthew. He is unwilling to shame Mary, but he's planning to divorce her quietly. That's where he's at. And we really just have to speculate, like, what, okay, what, is, what, are, what are Joseph's motives in his plan of action and all that? But, you know, fundamentally, this is his plan of action that is going into place. He's going, okay, I... I love Mary with all that I am. I, I don't think she has betrayed me, but it's very hard to believe that Holy Spirit is going to conceive a child through my, in, in, you know my, my betrothed. And so in this struggle that I'm having, I, I might even be wondering, like, do I even play a part in a role where Mary bears the Son of God? Like maybe we're not supposed to be, to ma- be married, and she's supposed to be married to God, and this is their child, and, and okay, I'll, I'll just Quietly separate away and just let the Lord do what the Lord's going to do with her. These are the things that might be going through Joseph's mind at this point. He is just and unwilling to shame Mary. He could have shamed Mary. He could have drug her out and said, she's committed adultery, she's pregnant. I know she's pregnant. She told me it's from the Holy Spirit, but I got to separate from this marriage because she has committed adultery before we're even married. That's what he could have done. But he loved her and refused to shame her. Instead says, okay, you know, the best course of action is just to quietly, just quietly let this this slide away. We don't have to tell any more people. Let's just separate out and go go our separate ways. But God, time has been fulfilled. Anyway, uh, fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had been, until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. The Lord shows up to Joseph also, brings his comfort, and says very simply, this is from the Holy Spirit. Everything that Mary has told you about what is going on is true. And now I'm asking you to receive this child as your son. And you give him the name Jesus. God called Joseph to step into this role as the father of the Son of God on earth. And to be the one who calls his name, to name him, and say, this is Jesus. He is going to save his people. And Joseph, in response to God's word to him, does as the angel commands, takes Mary as his wife, for however long their engagement period was remaining, right, okay, just add the numbers together, maybe six months, and then knew her not until she had given birth to a son. So, you know, refrain from any uh, union of activities until Jesus was born, okay? And then call his name Jesus. This is what Jesus did, or what Joseph did in response to the Lord's call on his life. This is a powerful story, and, and a lot of things going on in this moment. It's a circumstance unlike, uh, similar to, I should say, not unlike, not unlike, uh, circumstances we all run through, okay? We all, in our relationships with one another, and especially in relationships with marriage, come up against circumstances where the facts don't align. We don't understand how the facts are coming together. We have different opinions, different understandings. We're downloading things at different rates from the Lord. All this stuff is happening all the time. And this is just one picture of that with Joseph and Mary. And so how do we apply this forward to us today? A couple of things. First off, uh, a marriage application. Um, Last year, Christy and I had the opportunity to attend Family Life Weekend to Remember. Weekend, Week Walk to Remember, is that what we were calling it? The Walk to Remember? (laughs) The Weekend to Remember retreat. Uh, okay, I fully recommend this at any stage of your marriage. Okay, I don't know how long everyone's married, but I fully recommend this weekend or any you know, conference like this. It's a guided, comprehensive, intimate checkup on the health of your marriage with lots of tools and encouragement to press on in your commitment to one another. Uh, men, if you and your wife haven't done this or it's been a while since you've done this, I challenge you to make it happen. There's never gonna be time for it. Okay, there's never gonna be money for it. It's never gonna fit in your plans. You're going to have to make it a priority to get away with you and your spouse to commit time to working on your marriage intentionally. Okay, I'm, I'm grateful that we did this last year. It was very important for us. Um, all that said, one of the tools that they walked us through at the beginning of the conference uh, was a simple scale to rate the health of our marriage. Um, the scale range between isolation and oneness. Okay? Isolation on one side and oneness on the other. And they asked us to circle the range we thought our marriage was currently in. Okay. Slide. Slide. Giga slide. Slide. <laughs> Wait. Okay, this is it. This is a pic- I took this picture today. This is my book, okay? This is my rating. Okay, there's a, it's a 1 to 10 rating. We've got isolation in marriage on one side, oneness in marriage on the other. I was like... Yeah, we're like, we're surely on this side of the page, right? We're in the six to ten for sure. Like we might be trending toward ten. This is we've got a great marriage. This is this is where I'm at. Uh, just I'll just ask you. What like what number do you think Christy thought we were at? One to ten. Oh gee. Ouch! Yep, 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 yep. It's closer. Yeah, yeah. Three? Three? Zero, zero. Claire says, dang. Okay, five. Hey, actually, she's right, five. (laughs) Christy said five. Um, The rating for five is, and I know some of y'all have been here, uh, so I'm saying it. Uh, We like being around each other, but increasingly feel like roommates. I have occasional moments of connection with my spouse. Right? Uh, Needless to say, my ears were perked up for the rest of the conference. Right, because my assessment of where I thought our marriage was was in conflict different than where Christy thought our marriage was. Right? I'm going, I think we're closer to one of us. Like we're trending toward isolation, bro. Like I, like we've got to do something to make sure we go in the right direction. Um one of the things that is was stated along with this, uh with this uh, you might actually see the quote there at the bottom, but you can roll forward to the next quote there, Abe. Um that's really Helpful reminder to us is this, that unless you are lovingly, energetically nurturing your marriage, you will begin to drift away from oneness toward isolation. The natural drift of any relationship, okay? This could be your relationship with the Lord, relationship with a friend, but especially in your relationship with the spouse, which you assume is just bound by some document you filed at the courthouse, right? Okay? It's union, and oneness is an intentional action that is continually fought for, okay? Unless we're lovingly, energetically nurturing it, we're going to drift toward isolation rather than toward oneness. So in light of that, I want, I want to... Kind of land the plane with a couple of things as we consider the story of joseph and mary as we consider this concept of uh, isolation and oneness that is present in our marriage that we need to be fighting for oneness rather than drifting toward isolation and it's this that every single moment in the life of our marriage is an opportunity the lord has given us to either grow in oneness or drift toward isolation every single event the same was true for joseph and mary I mean, you could hear it in the story right Angel appears to Mary, says, you're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph's like, isolate, see ya. Right, like this is the most positive thing we can do is go a different direction. But God talked to Joseph and said, hey, nobody, actually, I need you to stick with this. Every conflict, every challenge, every heartache, every blessing, every date, every fight, every circumstance, every single day, is an opportunity for our marriages to fight for oneness or drift to isolation. Okay, God doesn't waste any moment of our life. He's given every circumstance for a purpose to draw our hearts closer to one another, and in marriage, he wants to draw our hearts also closer to one another. And so everything we go through is an opportunity to either press into each other and fight for each other or drift into selfish isolation. Joseph could have gone forward with a plan to mercifully, right? To mercifully call off the wedding. To say, you know, the best thing is for us to go a different way. But God called him to do something different and he obeyed. So you might be saying, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, Joseph got an angel come speak to him in a dream. Like, you know, this isn't so easy for us. And so before we read back into the story and say, well, the Lord showed up to them and verbally instructed to do, the, do something hard. Is he not present with us? Is the Lord not present in your marriage today? Is the Lord not present in our lives today? He is just as much present in talking to us as he was to Joseph Mary? Is he not speaking to you? Is he not providing for you? Is he not convicting you? The very moment that we forget that the Lord is a part of our marriage is the moment we start fighting for ourselves and fighting in our own strength rather than fighting for the oneness and unity of our marriage. In marriage, God has called us to a very clear purpose in the kingdom of God, to be a reflection of Christ and the church. We're going to be unpacking that a little bit more over the coming weeks as we look at the purpose of marriage and and the mission of God through marriage and what he's doing in it and how he calls us to sacrifice and what he's calling us to hope for. But if we're going to move to oneness with our spouse, it's going to depend on us listening to the Lord's voice in our marriage. A key word in our time in the Gospel of Mark has been what? Over and over and over again. The disciples who kept sticking with Jesus were the ones who heard him. They're the ones who heard him, who listened, who heard the parable and said, yeah, I know that there's food for the children at the table, but can I have the scraps? Right? The ones who heard him and listened. And so if we're going to move to oneness, we have to be listening for the Lord's voice in our our marriage, asking him individually and together as couples what way he would have us to go. I'm encouraged by the story of Joseph and Mary as they clung to what the Lord told them to do in spite of what everybody else might have been thinking in that moment, right? Like think about when they got to the inn. Yeah, there's no room for you, right? I mean, I just wonder about that scenario. It's very easy to say, oh, it's too full, you know? It's just too full, and they just send him over to the manger. Like, no big deal. It was just a matter of capacity, right? Surely it was just a capacity issue. I don't know about you, but if some pregnant lady comes up to the inn with her husband and is like, we need room to have this baby in their hometown, I'm thinking we should probably take care of them in normal circumstances, right? But she wasn't married yet. So they sent him aside to a manger. I don't know. Okay, that might be another alternative interpretation of the facts. Maybe she was ashamed. Maybe they were ashamed of her, that is, right? Uh, Actually, why don't you go back here? We'll just make sure you're good over there in the manger. Joseph and Mary were one. They were willing to fight for what God had called them to do, and they were willing to have a baby in a manger if that's what it took. And you know what happened after that? Shepherds started coming from miles away and so did wise men from thousands of miles away giving gifts to a baby in a manger. What a beautiful testimony of following Jesus in a very unclear circumstance. If we're going to move toward oneness with our spouse, it's going to depend on us listening to the Lord's voice, not the voices around us. In the same way, Marriage is this mysterious picture of Christ and the church, and we see this same challenge to us as a body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, and every event that we face is an opportunity for the Lord that the Lord has given us to either to to move forward in unity or separate in isolation. If we let things drift, they'll divide, but if we press in intentionally, we will remain unified and go forward in what God has called us to do. We must carefully listen to the Lord and to one another that we might see this thing happen that's shown in John 17, 22 to 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Church, if, if we're going to be one with Jesus, we have to be intentional about a relationship with him. We have to know him, spend time with him, and respond to what he is calling us to do, what he's saying to our hearts as a body. If we don't do that, if we're not doing that as individuals and as a church corporal, if we aren't listening to what the Lord is saying, then we're just going to drift into isolation from Him and have no purpose in existing. But if we press into what God has called us to do, this is what happens I and them, you and me, uh, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. That the love God has for the Son Jesus Christ will be felt in the church as it's represented in this world. And the world around looks on and says, I want something of that much vulnerability and unity and, and oneness that, you are, that is on, on display right here. We commit as a church to fight for that in our marriages and as a body. May we look to the scriptures every single day seeking what the Lord would have us to do listening to what he would have us to say, not worried about what the outside thinks, but worried about what Jesus thinks in every single circumstance that we could see on display the Lord's glory in our world. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for Jesus and his coming. We're so thankful that um, just the the care you have in the incarnation. God, you, in, in coming to earth, In the process of coming to earth, you cared about Mary's heart. And you cared about Joseph's heart. And you guarded them, protected them, set yourself in front and behind and beside them. Lord, you you provided for them. You helped them to to lean in to what you had called them to do. God, you gave them a very clear revelation because what they were walking through was so difficult to walk through. With all the other voices that could be speaking to them, God. But help us not look at that as some far-off fairy tale, but help us realize the same thing is happening today. You are speaking to us, husbands and wives. You are speaking to us about every circumstance. Help us press in toward unity under Christ. And you are speaking to us as a church. You have laid your life down for us as our Savior. And in response as your bride, we gush with love and honor due to your name. And so God, make us one as a bride that we might be presented to you spotless and holy, God. We desire to give you all the honor and the glory and praise. We desire to be completely one with you that the world might look on and say, I want that. This world offers nothing like it, God. I want what that body of Christ has. And so we thank you for coming in the way you did as a a humble baby, entered this world in vulnerability, in what could be seen from the outside as scandal. We got ultimately in righteousness and holiness that you would be a sacrifice for us on the cross, pure and holy, washing our sins away white as snow. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.